welcome to Breitbart News Daily. Thanks for being here. Gosh, we did a lot today. At the uh, third hour of the show, you go to SiriusXM, become a subscriber, and you can listen to the whole show. But the third hour, we talked about this Louis C.K. clip that's going around where he says we need to open the borders uh, and, and because America's too great. And we talked about the difference between compassion and guilt. That's liberal guilt on display. And compassion and guilt are very different things that lead you to very different places. So instead of guilt, we need to feel gratitude. But out of gratitude comes very specific things that we need to do. So talked all about that in the third hour. Uh, and then at the end of this hour, we did a follow-up on abortion because they asked Gavin Newsom. They took the stuff that Trump said about abortion and they presented it to Gavin Newsom. And Gavin Newsom is good. <laughs> Gavin Newsom is slick. And then in the second hour, we talked about the importance of family. Even the New York Times and the Atlantic writing articles about the importance of the two-parent family. So those are the things we did on the show today, but we are going to give you here the opening segment of the show where we talked about saluting the horse. And I really think there's some workshopping here that could be done. This could almost be uh, like a liner for the show. Salute the horse. That's the culture we live in today. What does that mean? Here it is. Yesterday, we talked to Kurt Zendolka about the spokesperson of the Ukrainian military, who is a transgender guy in a blonde wig who's from Nevada. <laughs> and it's just, it's one of the more bizarre things in the simulation that we're living in. It just feels like a glitch in the matrix. And Kurt had a great point. It's a combination of you having. You, you must be in support of the war in Ukraine. Obviously, Biden talked about that yesterday, uh, about how we will always support Ukraine, to the, all this stuff, right? So you have to support the war in Ukraine, and you have to call this man a woman. And to have both of these seemingly different things coming together at one place, it's very hard for the brain to make sense of. Right, it feels like it's. We've always had the. We've had two conversations. We've had Ukraine and we've had transgender bathrooms. Right, all this transgender stuff, but they're two separate things. But then, in one thing, and see it all happen at once, you're like, whoa. Wait, like your brain short circuits. And I like this insight from Thomas Schumacher. He said, "Having a clown government." is one of the ways that America antagonizes the world. America will menace you with some kind of horrific aerial assault and then send Hillary Clinton or some other bizarre clown, which clown just means unserious person, send, other, some, uh, send some other unserious person to negotiate. Normal, normal groups of people don't have any idea how to respond to such things. So anything they do will be wrong within the parameters of the rigged psychological game. It's like Caligula making you salute his horse, who he's made general. And if you don't, he'll torture you to death or invade your territory. That's it. <laughs> I stinking love that. It's like Caligula making you salute his horse. Now, to be clear, that, that analysis makes you sort of think that this is all going according to plan. 
that smart people are really in charge and they're just sending people like Hillary to, to, to mess with you. Like that, that's not it. It's all chaos. But in the end, it has the same humiliating effect either way. Like serious countries, and I don't know how many there are even anymore, but a serious country may think that Kamala is some sort of trick we're playing on them, like some sort of grand, grand, grand deception campaign that we're playing on the world. Something happens around the world and we send Kamala, Kamala Harris, to negotiate what's happening. Now, it's not, it's not a trick. It's, it's real. That's who the American people decided should be vice president because we're just a ridiculous country right now. But you could see how a serious person would think that's some sort of joke. And it makes you wonder if Caligula really thought his horse was a general? Like, was he, was he that ridiculous? Or did he know that he was making you salute his horse in order to humiliate you? And we don't really know what happened with Caligula's horse, by the way. We know he was treated like a king. Like Caligula's horse had a marble stable and a harness made out of jewels and he was fed oats mixed with gold flakes. <laughs> so we know that. But to what extent he used that to humiliate people versus was crazy. We was, I don't know. <laughs> that was a long time ago, so it's hard to say. All I can comment on right now is that we are crazy. And we're not serious. We're not a serious people. And we're not a serious country. And it's not just us. It's, the, it's the, really the whole Western world. Everything, everything happening in front of our eyes, it's, it's insane. There's a, that's just to give you one example, there's a former congressman, their version of a congressman in the Scottish Parliament. A quick a kid's warning, if there's any kids listening, just turn the radio down for 20 seconds. He took a picture of himself lying on a public bathroom floor in the Gatwick airport and took a picture of himself, posted it online, and it said, dilation day two, let's play. Where in an airport can I locate a clean, dry, private place where I can lie down, take my knickers off, and spread my legs? Dilation, dilation. He's dilating his newly crafted, mutilated vagina. He needs to dilate it as part of, what, what? He, he calls this a medical procedure. And part of this posting in the picture, he's demanding cleaner facilities in order to perform his transgender medical procedure. You must salute this. That's the thing. Do you see it? You have to stand up and you must salute this like Caligula made you salute his horse. You must bow down to it. You must worship it. And if you don't, then you are a traitor. You're a traitor to the new religion. You are an enemy of the state. If you don't support this, salute the horse. I feel like we can make that an expression. Salute the horse. That's actually pretty good. Salute the horse meaning meaning sell out everything you know to be true. Oh, I wish I wish to expand on that. That's pretty good. Salute the horse. Betray everything you know that is real and good and beautiful. Like, like give, sell out all your dignity, all your self-respect 
salute the horse. What do you mean salute the horse? The horse is the is a king. <laughs> the horse is a king. Yeah, he's he's uh he's the king now. Salute him. I'm not gonna salute a horse. Salute the horse. No, I'm not gonna salute the horse. Okay, off with your head. Pray to the drag queens. Did you see the the church? Oh, let me see if I can pull it up here. There's a church. 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 You see the air quotes. A church. In, uh, I don't know where I put it. Church in Dallas. And there's all these drag queens up front. Uh, I'll find it. Sorry, I'll have to find it at the break. So there's a bunch of drag queens. And I'm oh, sorry, if you give me five seconds, I can find it here. Someone, someone is, someone on Twitter said like, "Oh, Slater, it shows uh, really difficult to watch. You, uh, you couldn't find the name of a book for three seconds." All right, here you go. This is, uh, this is a church, and there's a bunch of drag queens up front, and there's a huge rainbow banner going down. It's, it, it looks like the inside of like a cathedral, and it's called Cathedral of Hope, vibrant, inclusive, and progressive. Incredible, incredible contributions to our world. They're incre- incredible contributions. Aaron McIntyre, he said, progressives will hollow out your religion and wear its skin like a trophy. Oh, gosh, that's so good. They will hollow out your religion and wear its skin like a trophy. Salute the horse. I guess in that case, it's a church, so you have to do more than just saluting the church. You have to bow down to the horse, to the insanity, to the drag queens. Worship their incredible contributions to the world. Salute the horse. Oh, we should workshop that. That's pretty good. Uh, I want to give an update here. Yesterday, we were talking about uh, Russell Brand a bit. So YouTube has demonetized Russell Brand. Russell Brand's been accused by, I think, four women of sexual assault and rape going back to 2006. Russell Brand has something like six million subscribers. I don't know how many of those are on YouTube versus on Rumble. I know he's been on Rumble a lot, but YouTube's taken away at least a major portion of his income for mere accusations, to be clear, not even criminal charges. Now, here's the deal. Let's be clear. You used to be innocent until proven guilty. You'd be proven guilty in a court of law. And then people would bail on you maybe if you were found guilty. Then people started not like then it was like a step further where 
even just being charged with a crime, people would bail on you. Advertisers, or in this case, demonetized. People would bail on you if you were charged with a crime. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a, there's a jury. We gotta, like, we gotta, they got to prove it. It's like, no, no, you're charged. That's enough. Now, all you have to do is be accused of a crime. No evidence, by the way. I, I watched part of that, the big giant expose against Russell. There's no evidence. Just accusation. They say this is the first time that YouTube has demonetized someone merely based on accusations of sexual assault. Again, from 17 years ago in this case. And that's, that's part of the deal. Like that's, that's the new regime where the ability to make money is not your right. You're not free to do that. That's a privilege. The ability to make money is a privilege by the people in charge. And if you don't salute the horse, then they will take it away from you. By the way, nothing's been done to stop the power of social media company over all of our lives, but specifically over elections. And something we, we just lived through 2020. We know the media, the, uh, the media and social media manipulation of politics. And we've done nothing. It's three years later. We're, we're, we're getting ready. Like the, the second debate is next week. Like we're, we're in the throes of the next election. And nothing's changed at all. So friendly reminder that the media, the regular media, will do everything they can to make sure Trump doesn't win the presidency. But there's a little bit of an asterisk to that. Because there is a bit of an incentive for the regular media to have Trump win because they'll make a lot of money. Ratings will go through the roof for four years. So the media's got to balance that. It's a really tricky. Like you got the, you got the reporters and everyone on the ground who, who hate Trump. But then you have the, the people who, who are running the media, like the, top, like the executives, who love the money. Bryce is like, Ugh. like uh, <laughs> we, don't, we don't want to tr- cover Trump. But whenever we do, our ratings are 10 times what they're, right? So it's like, oh, they don't know. That's the tricky spot that the media is in. But, the, but social media, Facebook and all the rest, they have no benefit to Trump winning. So they'll do anything to keep him from winning. And I don't even think they're going to be subtle about it anymore. There's no need to be. Why would they be subtle that no one will never know? Twitter will be more free now because of Elon, but Twitter's a small part of the, the picture. Google is the picture. Google runs everything. Facebook won't let Trump win. Instagram. TikTok is China. So they want chaos more than anything. But the social media companies, they're going to silence whoever they want. They're going to highlight whatever they want. And that's it. The 2020, the, the New York Post, Hunter Biden, Emma Joe story, Hunter Biden's laptop, that's nothing, nothing compared to the power that they have and would wield to keep Donald Trump out of the White House. It's wild. The Republicans have missed, it seems like every opportunity, we're going to talk to Dr. Sebastian Gorka about this tomorrow, but it seems like Republicans, I don't know, I, I can't account for every single state. But what's, what's tricky about it is like, okay, so let's say Oklahoma passed some really strong election integrity laws. Like, okay, great, but it's Oklahoma. Like, Oklahoma's 
like every single county won for Trump. You know, so they don't they don't need it. <laughs> they don't need the election. It's Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Those are the states that really need election integrity laws, and, and Republicans have done nothing in those states. So the, the, it's going to be the same game in 2024 that we played in 2020. It's the same game. And I, as I see it, the only way to win is to win by a massive landslide, a massive landslide. It has to be a bigger win than even a cheater could overcome. Now, even then, who knows? Now, the answer to that, I hope is not discouraging. I hope it's not, well, then why vote? It doesn't matter. No, the answer is you better get everyone you know to vote. Reuters has, uh, they have polls now per state. And their latest Reuters polls per state, you need 270 electoral college votes to win. 270. Trump has 312. Trump's 312 to 226. It's not even close. In a head-to-head matchup right now, Trump, Biden, today. If the election was held today, and the people in this poll you know, honestly reflect, then Trump would win all of it. would win everything. He'd win. It would only, it'd be a, maybe one of the biggest blowouts since the Reagan win. Trump wins Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Florida, you name it. It's a complete Trump blowout. And that's why the Democrats are freaking out right now. But don't get cocky. It's a long way to go. And the social media companies are ready to, ready, ready to go. But alas, the Democrats are not thrilled with what's happening, which is why they keep putting out Gavin. CNN did a whole interview with Gavin Newsom again. There's no reason. Gavin, if we keep hearing Gavin Newsom's not running for president. What's he doing on CNN? What, what, he's, he's governor of California. What is he doing anywhere? He's at, he's at the UN right now. What, why is Gavin Newsom at the United Nations? But we'll talk about Gavin coming up in a little bit. I'll give you one last final embarrassing empire in decline point. The missing F-35. What the heck was that? Are we, everyone's just okay with that? Like, that's such a weird story. And it, it's, it's, not, it's not even that a weird story. Of course, it's a weird story. It's weird that everyone's just like, oh, yeah. Whew, you know, look at that. Missing F-35. Wouldn't you know it? Huh. Yeah, wow. Whew. You know. And then you make like a joke about, wow, it's really stealth. And then we just move on. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa. What, what happened? So we have an F-35. They found it, by the way, 80 miles from base. It took 28 hours to find it. So we're getting a little, a little more detail here. We'll never know the full story. Apparently, there was another plane that was flying in tandem with it. The guy ejected. The other plane returned to base rather than following the now pilotless aircraft which was just flying in the air. So it very much did not need to be missing, it seems. what I don't know what the protocol is in this situation, but the other jet decided to turn back as opposed to, hey, maybe I should continue to follow this now missile that's randomly flying through the air. What are the chances that this thing landed in an open field? And not downtown Charlotte or some populated area or a house. Apparently, the stealth jet, uh, the stealth jet's transponder, quote, which usually helps locate the aircraft, was not working for some reason that we haven't yet determined. And we're all like, ah, you know, bad luck. How did, why did the guy eject? 
We'll never know. We'll never know any of this stuff because no one cared. No one, no one asked any questions. We're just like, oh, yeah. Why did the guy eject? Why was it still flying? How do we not know? How's the jet, the jet transponder not working? What are you talking about? Why did the guy not follow it? What is What is happening here? Apparently, the Pentagon back in 2019 was concerned that this plane was vulnerable to attack by hackers. We know the Chinese have deeply hacked into our military's computer systems. I don't know. I'm not saying that's what happened here. I'm just saying there's there's something afoot there. There's no way that's just like, oh, bummer. You know, crazy things happen. Like, no. I'm shocked they told us the plane was ever missing. How long was it in the air before it crashed? And if it was on autopilot, like let's say this autopilot is such a great thing, how, why did it crash at all? Did it run out of fuel? Is that what happened? It's all very embarrassing, and you'll never know. And I just mentioned empire in decline, and here's, here's one last point on that. This is a perspective changer. For sure, this is a perspective changer. People, people always say that the Roman Empire fell in uh, 476 AD. That's the moment of the, 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 the Roman Empire was no longer. That was the, the last of the Roman emperors was disposed by this, this German warrior king became the first barbarian king of Italy. And he was king for 17 years, and then there were a bunch of other kings after that. But here's the thing with this first king, and with many kings after, uh, I forget the guy's name, it was like uh, Odeker. Uh, Nothing changed, or like really not much changed. So this guy comes in, the, the, the German band of barbarians come in, and they dispose the Roman Empire. And we, I think we have this perception of, oh, and then the Roman Empire fell. And it was all over. The whole thing pff, collapsed into, into a heap of ashes. And then that was the end of that. Nope. The Roman Senate still met. Latin was still the official language. Roman law was still followed intact. Roman armies still fought and won victories. The Roman Empire lasted for another 200 more years after that. It, it didn't fall. It wasn't, do you know it wasn't, uh, ah, all right, now we do something new. It was a gradual fading from that point. That was a, certainly a, a turning point, but it, was, it still hung on. There were still Roman senators underneath barbarian kings. It was a gradual fading over 200 years. Isn't that something? We, we, so I think when we look back at the Roman Empire, and people make the parallels, of course, with our empire today. We're expecting an American collapse. Or, or we're expecting that if there is a collapse, we'll know it. It's, it's, a whole, it's a whole thing. But that's not how it works. We won't disappear. The Roman Empire didn't, didn't cease to exist. And when there's, an, when there's a collapse of our empire, it won't disappear. We'll just stop being what we truly always were. Someone, if you looked at it, you'd be like, oh yeah, there's America. That's the United States. It's on the map. Still there. There's the United States. And it has, uh, has a Senate and it has a house. And there's courts, you know, and there's uh, it's got a school system. Like the bureaucracy is all there. They still have roads. Like it's still there, but it's not what it is. You know, it's a lot like, it's a lot like uh, 51% of young people saying that open marriages are acceptable. 
They're like, oh, okay. Well, look, marriage is still here. Look, look, there's a, you got to get a marriage license. And then you go to a place and there's a guy up there. And do you take this person? Do you take this person? And they kiss. And then there's like a thing. There's a ceremony. And you get a ring. And look, marriage. Marriage is still a thing. Is it? Is it still a thing? Like it exists, but is it still a thing? You give it a couple more years and these young people are no longer young people and 50% of them believe that open marriage is a thing. Oh yeah, look, marriage. Mm, That's not it. There will be no collapse. It will look the same, America. But it'll be a hollowed out, empty version of it. The progressives will hollow out your religion and wear its skin like a trophy. Here's this church. Looks like a church. They're doing the reciting. I don't know what that's called, but they do the back and forth thing like a church. They got someone up there with the robes on. Like that's a thing. But what are they really doing up there? Well, they're pledging their allegiance to the drag queens and their incredible contributions to our world. That's a church. Mm. Is it? UN time, super. Dr. Thomas Williams is the Breitbart News Rome Bureau Chief because not only was the UN meeting, but also the Pope and the Clinton Foundation. What? Here's Dr. Williams. Mr. Williams, how you doing, sir? Mike, it is a pleasure to be on your show talking about important stuff today. Thank you, sir. Uh, what is going on? <laughs> what, what is the Clinton Foundation up to? And you wrote a wonderful article about the Pope speaking to Bill. What were they talking about? Well, yeah, coming coming from Rome here, that's kind of my beat. I keep a close eye on the Pope, and he loves nothing more these days than to rub elbows with these large leftist figures. Uh, he already had Clinton in earlier this summer, along with Alex Soros, the son of George Soros, an heir apparent to his open uh, his open uh, foundation, his open source of foundation. But more importantly, uh, just two days ago. Pope Francis had a Zoom meeting with the Clinton Global Initiative, uh, talking with Bill Clinton himself. And, of course, the topic, the prime topic, was climate change, something that both these individuals are very, very interested in, and they're interested in having the rest of us be frightened of. Uh, So they went on and on about how this is a catastrophe and something needs to be done, that we need to work together in order to push governments to, to shut down fossil fuels. Uh, This is the situation we're looking at. Uh, This has been something that's right on the front burner of the popes, and it's also been a big thing that Bill Clinton's been working on. He's also got along with his Clinton Global Initiative, which I love, by the way, CGI. I always think to myself, that's a great set of initials because you're wondering whether it's really Bill Clinton there or if it's a CGI uh, avatar of him because (laughs) you're never sure if he's all there. but they're, they're really into the question of climate change as well. They're, they're getting a lot of people to invest a huge amount of money uh, toward the whole renewables campaign, et cetera. The Pope said, it is absurd to permit the continued exploration and expansion of fossil fuel infrastructures. Where, wh- what do you think is, 
why does the Pope care? Like, what, where, where is this coming from? Why is he making this a uh, a forefront issue for him to the point where he would even think about speaking to the Clinton Foundation? Well, I unfortunately I'm a Catholic, um, and I and I am very frustrated by the current pontiff uh, because of this choice to emphasize issues. He often sounds less like a pope, less like a Christian pastor, if you will, and more like uh, a U.N. secretary general. Uh, he and Antonio Guterres over at the U.N. are our best buddies, and their issues overlap 97 um, percent. And this is something that the pope really enjoys uh, pushing forward these kind of progressive causes and being a hero of the global left. It, it's just something I don't know. It, it's in his blood. Um and, and it's something that, that he just keeps hammering home on, whether it's immigration or climate change. These are kind of the two big pet issues he's got. Uh, and it's less about salvation of souls and, and Jesus Christ and more and more about these issues that are very, very debatable, by the way. These are not questions of, of Catholic doctrine in any way. These are political issues and issues that you know, I would heartily disagree, and I'm sure you would too, with, with the stance the Pope is taking. Yeah, I wonder if the gospel ever came up during this Clinton Foundation Zoom conference thing? Do, do, they, do you think the spreading of the gospel, the, mention, the gospel story was ever mentioned, or was it all burning of fossil no, fuel? No, in fact, I watched, I watched the entire exchange. It's, uh, it's available online. I watched the entire thing, and no mention of the gospel at all, no. So yeah. you, you do kind of wonder where, where people's priorities are and whether they're not a little bit mixed up on this. And yeah. again, if this were something that, that you and I considered to be of supreme importance, and not such a debatable issue where, you know, this is funny, too, because just a month ago, we had that really important document signed by 1,600 scientists come out saying there is no climate emergency. There's been a lot of pushback from the scientific community about this whole idea of a climate change emergency or crisis. And a lot of the scientists are going forward and saying, yes, we believe climate is changing. So you've got a 97 percent consensus that there's climate change, but you don't get any kind of consensus like that when you ask whether there is really a climate emergency or a climate crisis. And these are the questions that, you know, the scientists now are starting to push back on. Yes. Yeah, it's a great point. Let, let me, let's make that distinction one more time. Is the climate changing? Yes. Always has, always will. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> but what the question is, what is causing it? And then is it catastrophic? Those are the two questions of debate that the left just wants you to, to look over. Um, one last point on this, because in your article here on Breitbart.com, we're talking with Thomas Williams, who's the Breitbart News Rome bureau chief. Um, this is the Pope. The unrestrained burning of fossil fuels and the destruction of forests are pushing temperatures higher and higher and leading to massive droughts, a product of consumerist greed fueled by selfish hearts. So, like, I like that last part. Like, that's great. I would I'd happily do a segment on uh, selfish hearts and consumerist greed and uh, how we should, but why go from there to global warming? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we could, let's focus on hearts and just do that. Like that's the important thing. Not, Oh, and now temperatures are higher because of it. Right? No, exactly. This is, this is, it's very problematic. He, he connects dots that should not be connected. Mm -hmm. He makes, they are, they are leaps, they are intellectual leaps 
and they're, they're things that you can't follow. They don't logically follow one from another. And, uh, and I agree with you. It's a question, again, what is causing it? And we're not completely certain. And there's no way of actually being certain because you have, you know, in science, you need a test case. You need to be able to have a control. And there is no control because we can't look at a parallel universe without humans and, and say, look, the, the climate would have changed less or more had there not been humans. We can't do that. We don't have that kind of a control. Uh, all we have is the variable. And so you can hypothesize and you can put forth ideas and you can have theories, but you can't know that. Uh, and yep. so anybody who comes and says, well, this is because of humans you know, emitting too, many, uh, too much in the way of, of, of greenhouse gases, no, we just don't know how much that is actually affecting it. Um, uh, and unfortunately, the Pope is, is really big on connecting these dots, again, that, that require a leap of faith. And this is not an area where people of faith necessarily want to be on board with him. Even uh, the uh, Zelensky, who spoke at the UN yesterday, he did a whole... Uh, climate change thing up there. And Emma Joe. so Zelensky said, humanity is failing on its climate policy objectives. So again, we'll talk tomorrow about uh, everything that's going on, but it, it just seems like a giant global warming conference. Like that's, that's like, that's, that's what they're, it's the main thing they're talking about there uh, at the UN. And Emma Joe said, he knows Zelensky, he knows he's not swaying American conservatives. So pivoting to just loving on all the libs. So it's just, it's just full blown, Zelensky, why would Zelensky get up there, the president of Ukraine, be talking about climate change and climate change objectives with the world? It's insane. Um, Thomas, you wrote a wonderful article, a very fascinating article on the Hungarian president and her pro-family manifesto. Uh, we're going to talk in a minute here about a new poll that just came out that 51% of young people, uh, 18 to 29, 50% believe that an open marriage is acceptable, which is to say not a marriage. If it's an open marriage, it's not, it's not a marriage. So we're going to talk about family coming up in a, in a second here. But it's nice to see, speaking of parallel universes, what another country is doing, what a pro-family country, a pro-family culture looks like. What are they doing in Hungary? Well, she's, she's kind of one of my heroes. Catalin Novak uh, she's been minister of family in, in Hungary, and now she's, she was elected actually president, and she makes a great team together with Viktor Orban as, vice, as, a, as prime minister. Uh, and, she, and her big thing is all about the family. Um, I remember several years ago we would joke with, with friends about how the, the anti-family policies in Europe, and you looked around at the leaders of all these countries. Not one of them had children, not a single one. Mm. Uh, they just they were not family people. They didn't believe in the family. They didn't invest in the family. They had no personal interest in the family. Catalina Novak has three kids. Viktor Orban has kids. Our prime minister now in Italy, Georgia Maloney, who's another superstar in my book, has kids. Uh, these are people now that are, that are coming forward. And funny thing, when you have kids, you tend to be a little bit more conservative about things because you care more about the future. You care more about what kind of place you're leaving for your children, what the economy looks like for your children. Uh, and Catalina Novak is really invested in this. So recently they had a demographic conference in Budapest this past weekend. And she kicked it off with the opening address and laid out a 12-point manifesto about what Hungary believes with regard to the family. And it has to do with parents' rights. It has to do with pushing back against transgender um, – you know, the, the lobby of transgender pushing forward that children have a right to declare you know, their sex even opposed to their, to their parents' 
wishes, even when they're little children. Uh, these things, just basic things that are common sense that 20 years ago wouldn't have even raised an eyebrow, but nowadays seem so radical uh, because the world has moved so far so fast on these family issues. California passed a bill where if a, and we've seen tight, small steps, little erosions on this point over the years, but they passed a bill where if the parent is not affirming of their child's new gender, then the uh, child can be, CPS is called, and the child is taken away and put into foster care. And we've talked to a family that this happened, and the uh, school told the girl what needed to be said to CPS in order to be removed from the family and put in foster care, because once in foster care, there was a bill that was passed a couple years ago in California uh, that if you're in foster care, you get state-funded, state taxpayer-paid-for uh, sex change or sex operations and hormone blockers and surgeries, all the whole thing for free if you're in foster care. So that's, that's the whole deal. And it's, it's all about hiding, keeping secrets from the family, keeping secrets from the parents uh, about what the kid is doing in school. Uh, that, that's, that's the direction we're going in in America and Hungary uh, is moving the other. The first point is parents have the right responsibility and duty to raise their children. Parents, not the government. Yeah, this is something I, I'm just I'm so proud of Hungary. They really stand up and, and they have taken a, an enormous amount of pressure, both from the U.N. and from the European Union. European Union, they're just a thorn in their side. Um, they, and this goes back years because the same thing was happening during the uh, Europe's migration crisis when Hungary was saying, no, we're going to help out people where they are, but we're not just going to open up our borders and be filled with, with foreigners. We have a culture to protect. We have a national identity to protect. We will, we will be generous and we will help people out, but we are not going to compromise our identity. So this, they've, on a number of issues, they have really, really put it to the European Union when the European Union was trying to push these leftist programs. And Hungary simply said, no, we have a responsibility, first of all, to our own citizens. Yes, we belong to the European Union. We're very grateful for this, you know, this common market that we have. But we also have our own sovereignty and we have to govern ourselves. And they're doing the same thing on the, on the, on the question of families. They are simply not going along with the trends that are that are so much in place now in Brussels and so much in place also at the United Nations. And they're just standing up. And I, I really admire their courage and their willingness also to take a lot of abuse. And even they've had economic sanctions put against them because of these very strong stands, again, on, on questions that would not have even been controversial in 15 or 20 years ago, but now look so radical. Yeah, it's very interesting. So uh, as you know, Tucker, Tucker Carlson, has been highlighting, lifting up Hungary, like pointing to Hungary, giving speeches in Hungary in particular. And it, like, why? You know, like, like what, what's, what's happening in Hungary? And you just explained it, right? So it's, it's really, I guess the immigration is the real thing that kicked it off and made them very different than the rest of Europe, right? But even this appreciation of something called a national identity, and then you throw this pro-family thing on top, and there's something different happening there. And of course, the rest of the media is characterizing it as as you know, awful and terrible. Uh, what is it? What What is the culture of Hungary that is making them so distinct from, it seems like, the rest of Europe right now? Well, I, I personally think that the real secret there is that their government has openly said, 
look, we are a Christian nation. We are not ashamed of that. That is our history. That is our roots. It doesn't mean that everybody has to be Christian. We're not enforcing going to church on Sunday. This is not a confessional state. But we are a Christian nation, and we draw our understanding of the person and society and the family and the state from our Christian tradition. That is, that is our roots. That is who we are as a people. Victor Orban often goes back and talks about St. Stephen, the, you know, kind of one of the founding fathers of, of Hungary, and says this is really important. We can't forget this. The rest of Europe is forgetting its Christian roots. We're not going to do that. We're going to stand up and be proud of that fact. And I think that once you're willing to do that, then a lot of the other pieces fall into place because you're willing to say this is who we are as a people. This is our identity. This is, And even, again, those among us who are nonbelievers recognize that that is where we get our values from. That's where we get our self-understanding from. And I think that that's really been the key to Hungary's success in holding on to an identity and holding on to a set of principles that make it very strong. Brilliant. Absolutely. Thomas Williams, Breitbart News, Rome Bureau Chief. All those articles we talked about are on Breitbart.com, of course. Mr. Williams, wonderful to meet you and talk to you, sir. Thank you. Mike, thanks so much for having me on your show. This has been a real pleasure. Thank you, sir. Let's do it again. Just uh, because you brought it up, (laughs) here's a clip of uh, the great Vody Bauckham. To me, the greatness of the United States is the fact that the gospel has prospered here and borne fruit here. Unlike... Wrong club. Sorry. This one. Just stop and just, you just stop and think about it for a minute, right? Okay. If you don't want Christian nationalism, what other kind of nationalism do you want? Yeah. Right. Do, do, do you want, you know, secular nationalism, Muslim nationalism, you know, and, and, or if it's not the Christianity, that's the problem. Is it the nationalism? That's the problem. If we don't want nationalism, what do we want? Do we want globalism? You know, no, thank you, please. <laughs> you right. Know? So With China in charge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it, it does sound like, a bunch right. of scary Christian nationalism, yeah. and so what? You're right. Yeah. Chris- 866-95-PATRIOT. It's those Judeo-Christian values, the Judeo-Christian foundation is what have made America the greatest country in the world, and now we are throwing that away purposefully, too. At least some are. The rest are just sleepwalking as it gets thrown away. A uh, new poll came out. This is on Breitbart.com right now. It's a Pew Marriage Poll. Uh, 51% of men and women, 18 to 29, 18 to 29. So young men and women, 51% say an open marriage is acceptable. It's an acceptable. The question is acceptable or unacceptable. Those are the options. 51% say it is an acceptable arrangement for people to have (laughs) open marriage, which is to say not marriage. An open marriage is not marriage. Marriage is a specific thing. Even in a, in a secular sense, it, it, its defining characteristic is the monogamy of it. <laughs> you can't add the word open into the front of it and pretend that it is still the same thing. You have gutted the essence of the thing by putting the word open in front of it. It is now no longer it. Are you with me? It's no longer the thing. Marriage, in, and we can talk about the Christian part of it, but just even in a, in a secular way, a traditional American secular way, it is monogamy is the point. You put open in front of it, it's no longer monogamous, and now it's not a thing. And you see the left do this with everything. We played this clip earlier. This is a church in Dallas. 
Oh, by the way, let me make one last point of this. Here's the poll uh, among gay people. 75% think that marriage, open marriages are an acceptable arrangement. Hmm. 75% of gay people, gay. It's interesting. We've got gay marriage, gay marriage, redefining there. Part of that is support openness. And now we see more support of open marriages among even straight young people. Interesting. I wonder if there's any sort of comparison or compare parallel there at all. Hmm. Uh, this is a church in Dallas, a church in Dallas, uh, called the cathedral of love. And there's a bunch of drag queens. There's like 20 drag queens, like full blown drag queens up in the front of the church. And it looks like a church, huge rainbow flag, which again, if you're coming maybe from Hungary and you don't know about all the, like the gay stuff, you'd look at the rainbow flag. You'd be like, Oh, look at that Noah's Ark. It's like a reference to, <laughs> right? No, no, no. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what that is. And here they are doing this back and forth thing. Uh, sorry, one second. Is that not working today? Incredible contributions to our world. Name one. <laughs> incredible contributions. But do you, do you see the point here? Aaron McIntyre, he's brilliant. He said, progressivism will hollow out your religion and wear its skin like a trophy. They, will they won't just destroy the church. They will infiltrate the church and take it over. And it will look like the church, but it will be nothing like the church. And they'll do that not just to the church itself, but they'll do that to every other every other institution in our country that had its roots in Judeo-Christian values and ethics like marriage. They will take marriage and not destroy it entirely. They'll hollow it out and make it meaningless. They'll take it. There's still a thing. It's still a thing you do. You still go to the courthouse and you do the marriage certificate, the marriage license. You still go and maybe even a church or in a barn or wherever any place you and you have the thing that the guy and he does the you do you do this and you do and you kiss and then there's like a people there and you have a party after it's still the thing they still call it marriage but it has nothing to do with marriage there's nothing marriage about it it is completely hollow completely emptied out and they are wearing it like a trophy they have hollowed it out and made it completely meaningless to now where half of young people and by the way they're not going to grow out of it that is, a, that is a myth that I thought would happen. It does not happen. That is what these people think, and it is what they will always think. Maybe if 51% of them think open marriages are acceptable, maybe uh, in at 15 years, 20 years, uh, uh, not 51, 46% will think that it's acceptable. Okay, It won't change that much. It will be a majority of Americans. A majority of Americans will think that open marriage is a thing, and there will be no more marriage and then there will be no more two parent households which is the foundational bedrock of a thriving society they will hollow out your religion and wear its skin like a trophy 
Speaking of United Nations, Frances Martel has been following it all the last two days. She's here to give us a UN update tomorrow. And then Dr. Sebastian Gorka will be here at 8 o'clock. Among other things, I want to talk to him about some voter integrity problems that we still have in our swing states. That's tomorrow's show. Breitbart News Daily. Spread the word. Apologize.